And welcome back to another installment of the Conspiracy Skeptic Unplugged. I'm your Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer. Uh, the Conspiracy Skeptic Unplugged, I have on a guest from the, I don't know, the skeptical blogging or skeptical podcasting world. Uh, my guest picks a his, his or her favorite conspiracy and just have him on and we, we talk about it. My guest today is uh, Brett Spur. Brett? Hello. Hi, Brett. Brett is, uh, Brett, you are the co-founder of a skeptical blog on uh, money and finance, the, the, the long-run blog. Yes, I think you know some of the fellow bloggers. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of a, I, I dip in there once in a while and, and, and generate a piece or two. You do? Yeah. More, you bring a lot of diversity to it. Yeah, so it's, it, it, it's slugline. It's called the Long Run Blog: Critical Thinking on Money, Finance, and Economics. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 can, can we talk about your your co-founder? Who? Or uh, yes, um, originally um, uh, John Blumenfeld and I uh, okay. had started this last uh, last summer. Uh, actually, we're almost going on a year now. Okay. And uh, John had worked for Bear Stearns at one time and changed careers. And, is no longer able to participate. Right. Yeah, we've got to be a li- probably a little bit careful in what we talk about, or uh, because you you you're involved in the world of, of finance, right? Or investing yes. in people's money. Yeah, you Correct. you don't you just don't invest your own money. You take money from other people and invest it. Yes. Yeah, and and so you, you have to be sometimes a bit uh, circumspect because you know people are especially these days are a little bit nervous about handing over. Ten twenty thousand dollars to you or more? It's a little bit higher than that, but yeah. All right. You wouldn't even. Would you even look at me if I had ten thousand dollars to invest? Oh, I'd buy you a cup of coffee, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. We, we might have to um, you know, change the subject. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So yeah. So so uh, yeah. You 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 be a little bit careful, but obviously on on your 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 blog, you you. Uh, you don't really hold back a lot. No, not much at all. In fact, we we try to um, just uh, tell it like it is, share right. the facts, and put it into perspective. It's it's not really uh, specific financial advice, and we're not talking about uh, which stocks to buy or sell. But we're talking about concepts and, and uh, theories in general, and so it's a it's a safe place to. Figure out how the money, the world of money and finance works, right? Well, with sort of an intersection with sort of uh, skepticism. Correct. Yeah. Yes, because there's so much uh, out there that uh, is tainted by an ideology of some sort, uh, right? Whether it be political or somebody has a, a particular agenda, and they will slant the facts and slant the evidence uh, to build their case. And we we try to slice through that and and say, hey, you know, this is how it really works, um, and you know, make of it what you will. Because yeah, what there there is a podcast called uh, Econ Talk. Do you ever listen to the Econ Talk podcast? You know, I've heard you mention it several times, and it's on my list, and I okay. haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Well, the the other host, uh, Russ Roberts, you know, he's kind of a uh, very you know, free market kind of guy, but um, but maybe not quite. You know, you're sort of your you're you're very extreme, you know, libertarian, but uh, but a de- definitely you know free market guy, and uh, 
but he sort of makes the point that he likes to ask other economists, you know, do you, you know, do you think economics is a, is a science? And they're always like, oh, you know, it's a science, you know, and you know, how do you arrive at your opinions? And they're always like, well, you know, you know, through the, you know, the, you know, the empirical data. And then he's like, okay, well, what, you know, what data have you ever read that has made you change your mind? Has the data ever made you change your mind on some, something fairly major? And uh, and he says very very few economists he ever asks uh, ever say, uh, oh yes, you know this changed my mind. <laughs> the economists almost never change their mind on you know some of their big ideological points. I think that's very true, and and uh, a lot of people. Uh, and this is true of not just economics, but all sorts of areas where you apply skepticism. There's no uh, pe- people come to it uh, with their minds sort of made up, and they're looking for facts or cherry picking ideas that that fit to their view. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the, the proper view is to uh, look at the facts and see what story that tells you, um, which is hard to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What. Uh because you know, like in uh, you know, we're both big uh, fans of Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, and uh, you know, in Doctor Novella, you know, he he always makes the point that um, you know, at least in medicine, uh, medical doctors they're always changing their mind based on the evidence. They're always changing their practice as new evidence comes in. Um, you know, physicists, you know, they do this a lot. Uh, you know, astronomers, I mean, they 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 do the do that a lot. They have certain ideas that are they're always being changed as the evidence comes in, and, uh, and, and yeah, and then sometimes maybe economics is not quite quite that. No, and and I think uh, uh, part of the problem is the way uh, a lot of economists are funded. This isn't true so much of universities, but uh, all of the dozens of think tanks out there um, get support. Uh, from donations or sponsorships from a certain ideology, right. and so it's it's very difficult for them to sort of be impartial and change their views as as their uh, observations change. Right. If I can ask you a few personal questions, I always call this the Korean questions because you know, <laughs> my, my time in Korea, you know, you're always asked very personal questions up front, uh, and it, it wasn't meant to be sort of intrusive or offensive. It's just you know they want to figure out who you were and how to talk to you. So sure. uh, can I? How how old are you, Brett? I, I'm 35. 35. Okay. And are 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 you married? I am. Okay. And do you have do you have children? No kids. Oh, right. Okay. And, uh, and what do you, I, I, let's not talk about where you work exactly, but what, what would you describe your job as? What's your, what's your actual, what's on your business card? Ah, my business card says, uh, president and advisor. Uh, and I am, I run my own financial planning firm of which investing is a piece of what I do, but, um, and, and I run the shop. It's, it's me. I'm a sole proprietor. So, uh, I get the fancy title of president as well. Oh, okay, and and where 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 do you where do you live in the world? Uh, I'm just outside of Denver, uh, Colorado. Correct. Wow. So you uh, a few guests ago we we, we had on uh, Stuart 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 Robbins, a, a astronomy student. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in uh, well, he's in Colorado. Maybe I think it was Boulder. I forget. But you know, it's like well, if it's a state that you must all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I happened to see Stuart two days ago. 
really? Oh, at the uh, skept, skept, Skepticamp? At the, at the Skepticamp, that's right. Ah, yes, okay, because uh, Rich, Rich Orman from Dogma Free America, he, he sent me an email the other day, and he mentioned that, uh, yeah, that uh, uh, he, he met Stuart at Skepticamp. Ah, so it seemed like a pretty big event down there in, in Colorado. Uh, we had almost 100 folks, and um, it was uh, quite a success. Uh, it even... Rich actually even put on a suit for us to MC the event, uh, which is something that uh, I've never really seen before. Was he was he wearing his fez? Uh, no, but he was wearing uh, nice, uh, lovely, very pretty snakeskin boots with it. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. R- R- I, I think I just mentioned Rich Ormond, host of the Dogma Free America podcast. Uh, a really, re- another really good podcast. You know, one of the, you know, one of the top five, I think, out there. That uh, this Dogma Free America sort of concentrates on you know, religion. Dog, dogma will make you crazy is its uh, its motto. And and Rich is vehemently goes after it. <laughs> do, do you listen to DFA? I do. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Right. Now, Colorado's a it's a tight skeptical community, but it's also um, just the state in general. We, we like to we really do attract lots of. Um, kind of crazy kooks out there as well. We had that fellow um, about a year ago in the news trying to form an ET commission here in Denver (laughs) um, just in case the aliens happen to land. So, you know, we get our share of uh, kooks out here also. You had the, um, the, the Air Force Academy is out there. We do, yeah. Yeah. And NORAD as well. Okay. Remember uh, Air Force Academy? They had a little. There was a bit of a controversy that you know there was a lot of sort of the uh, very, very right wing Christians kind of were taking over ideologically this you know the the academy or something, and you know you couldn't sit down to dinner unless you you know you swore the Bible was the inerrant truth or something like that. Well, Colorado Springs is home to not only the Air Force Academy but NORAD and Fort Carson, so there's a, a heavy. Uh, military contingent there, but it's also home to focus on the family and uh, oh, Ted okay. and Ted Haggard. So oh. uh, it, it, it is one of the more conservative uh, evangelical areas of the country. Wow, okay. Right. And then on the other end of the state, or, or just um, probably about uh, eighty miles away, is Boulder, which is uh, sometimes referred to as the People's Republic of Boulder. <laughs> uh, uh, kind of the complete opposite. So we've got our mix of uh, ideologies here. And Boulder is the ancestral home of Mork and Mindy. Ah, I didn't know that. Oh, you don't remember that? Well, you're no. You must be old enough to remember Mork and Mindy. Of course. Okay, I all just right. Didn't yeah. know they were from Boulder. I think it was Boulder. Yeah, yeah. They drove that little jeep and the the uh, the little rainbow suspenders. Oh, that was great television. <laughs> Not quite lost, but you know. Well, yeah, you know. Not the X Files either, but. <laughs> Right. So, so Brett, your uh, your 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 favorite conspiracy. What's your favorite conspiracy? Ah, uh, well, um, there's just so many to choose from. But I know. Uh, <laughs> but one that one that's always been a lot of fun is is the whole Roswell UFO, Area 51 uh, conspiracy, All and right. it, it's always intrigued me since the time I was a kid. Okay, so give, give us the uh, what, what it, well in Canada we would call it the Coles Notes. Uh, version uh, uh, Cliff Notes, you might call it. I, I think it was Cliff Notes here. Yeah, yeah. Cliff Notes. Yeah, Coles Notes in Canada. Cliff Notes, and so the the uh, I think most of my listeners. Do they exist anymore? I mean, you can probably download your 
that, yeah. these days. So. Wikipedia, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But I love it. Yeah, Wikipedia. You can just go there and you can get whole books and movies, just, I mean, detailed plot summaries and just, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, must make a, it must make a teacher's life just, you know, just wonderful. <laughs> Throw their hands up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, so or the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, or the the uh, the the uh, above the table of context uh, Wikipedia version. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I you know, um, uh, back way back in 1947, uh, a weather balloon. Well, it wasn't actually a weather balloon. It was a spy balloon. Um, wait, 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 wait. Excuse me. Tell us the conspiracy version. First. Oh, the conspiracy version. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, it's all George Bush's fault. Right. Yes. Of course. Okay. Uh, as long as that's the baseline, then. You know the truth. Um, uh, the conspiracy is that um, a saucer uh, with aliens crashed uh, outside of a place called Roswell, New Mexico. Okay. And this was way back in the late 40s. Um, and that ever since the government has been covering up not only Roswell, but the fact that uh, – Aliens exist, that they visit us, that they're among us, that they abduct people, right. that they mutilate cattle, and uh, it's all headquartered around Area 51 in Nevada. Right, right. A- a- Roswell. Ro- but, okay, Roswell, New Mexico. Now, I'm a little rusty on my uh, American geography down around there. I know, oh, sure. I, I know Florida, but Roswell, <laughs> New Mexico, that's, that's not really close to Nevada, is it? No, no, no. Okay. It's okay. probably a good, uh, and I'm just going to guess, six, eight hundred miles away. Okay. All right. So, but, but, uh, go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say, but but it's uh, it, Area 51 is supposedly where they're uh, like the proving ground for UFO technology, right? Correct. The right. Uh, the Air Force and the military has this giant swath of land out there in the Nevada desert. I think it's about 100 miles uh, across, which is uh, super duper tax, top secret. Um, you know, you can't even mention the word or somebody's going to come come visit you. Right. Um, where they've set aside it, I, I don't know when they first established it, but there's an Air Force base there and also what they call the Nevada test site, uh, which is where they tested nuclear weapons for many years. Okay. Uh, and there's also this uh, area that they call Area 51, which is supposedly where all this alien uh, activity takes place. Right, okay. And, and th- this place legitimately exists, and it legitimately is a, a sort of an Air Force uh, secret testing area. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it certainly is. And you can drive by it, and they'll have scary signs posted not to enter and not to take right. pictures. And, uh, much like most military bases. Right, yeah, yeah, but but you know where, uh, you know, where you can't go. Some people go, ah, you can't go there because UFOs, not because it's like, well, a new stealth plane or something like that. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and, and they, they did test nuclear weapons there, so it's not exactly the place you want to go. You know, play in the sand, poking around. Yeah, because right, they might because they might drop things on you. Testing other things, right? Right. Yeah. And plus, there's probably some radiation. You, you don't really want to glow in the dark. Okay. And so. no, for 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 Roswell, that the alien bodies and the crashed crashed spaceship. What what is that? What is the evidence that you know the UFO nuts uh, give for uh, this? Give for it. 
you, you expected evidence? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, they they claim. In fact, it's interesting because the the story um, when one of the ranchers uh, had discovered this uh, crash, okay. uh, he reported it to the Air Force, and the Air Force came out and they picked it up, and uh, they did a press release and to the locals, and they said, you know, we we found a weather balloon. Please move along. Nothing to see here. Right. And it, everyone pretty much forgot about it uh, until about thirty years later. When one conspiracy uh, or one UFO uh, aficionado went back to the story, right? And St- St- Stanton, Stanton, Stanton Fr- Fr- Friedman, or something like that. Yes, and brother of brother of Milton. No, I don't. Oh. Think so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but if you can make that connection, we'd really have a conspiracy on our hands. I think. Darn uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, he kind of resurfaced it and and 30 years later he he re-interviewed some people and um you know sort of took things out of context and let people change their stories um and insert some things that could be misconstrued uh and so then the the roswell story suddenly had a life of its own and suddenly people were remembering uh new things that never happened right and so the evidence is Surely, the lack of anything to the contrary. <laughs> uh, yeah, Stanton Friedman, I, I, I've seen him. I mean, I've seen him interviewed a number of times, and uh, and, and he's actually—I don't know—he's either gracious enough or crazy enough that that he does let uh, skeptics interview him, and um, and he. Uh, this guy gets so frustrated when he's confronting when he's talking to skeptics. Like he's really very short of blowing his top. You know, <laughs> here, here's a guy that I mean, for the last forty years, he honestly believes in UFOs and believes he, he almost has the evidence. And so he's been trying to convince people, you know, because I think he has an MA in nuclear physics. So he, he's he's. He understands academics, and, and and he spent the last forty years just trying to convince you know academics of this, the truth of this, that that you know that he's just uh, he's kind of he's kind of you know got this cabin fever. You know? <laughs> I, I I can only think that it's it's his uh, sacred cow, and he's just, yeah. no matter how bright he is uh, or how educated he is, he just can't see through it. Yeah, yeah. Be, be, you know, it's just like, well, uh, if you got a body or a hunk of metal, we'll look at it. You know, right. and and he's got, you know, he has everything else, <laughs> and uh, and he just doesn't see why they can't quite accept, you know, accept eyewitness accounts and uh, you know blurry photographs and things <laughs> like that, right? You know, it's like well, hoaxed photographs in most cases. Yeah. Well, now the uh, yeah so 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 something I mean something did legitimately crash. It was like Mac Mac, Mac Brazel, I think, was the farmer. Yes, he oh. was the rancher. Okay, and right. there was a guy named Jesse Marcel who was um, who worked for uh, the sheriff or the uh, the Air Force in, in that particular district. Okay, and there's basically two of the only people that actually saw the debris. Okay. And it's interesting because uh, Marcel, who in original interviews uh, and old testimony had said, uh, yeah, it was tinfoil and balsa wood and tape and, and right. uh, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. And there was actually a picture of them 
with the debris, and he was later quoted as saying, "Yeah, that's it. That was, you know, that was the debris. Uh, you know, it wasn't staged. That was really it." And then when Stanton interviewed him, um, he changed his mind and said, "No, it was definitely wasn't from this world." And 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 his memory, either he fabricated it or he embellished it, but basically changed the story to, "No, it wasn't just a balloon." To oh, this was a strange material of some sort. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I, I think back. Um, I, I I had a friend, and well, I, mean, I might still have her as a friend, but but she 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 had two female roommates, and 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 I mean not to knock women, but this is just what happened. She had these two female roommates, and and they were both a little hypochondriac, and uh, and they would always reinforce each other's sickness you know uh-huh. and, and it began to it would sort of like you know it would start off like a little sniffle and it would become you know you've probably got a tumor and you better take the day off of work you think i should take the day off of work oh definitely take the day off of work you know it just became this sort of self sort of two-way reinforcing sort of feedback loop and and yeah and sometimes i think that's what it is you know it's like are you sure it's not that well now that you put it that way yeah maybe yeah and and yeah. Well, well, one one person I was uh, reading in my research here had described the um, the believers in UFOs as uh, taking all of the anomalies and all of the um, uh, anomaly hunting things that they found, uh, throwing it into a big box and calling that evidence. And if you if you sort of sit back and say that's not evidence, that's just a box full of junk, they say, oh well. Go look for yourself. It's it's there, so there must be something to it. Just because these things exist, and it's, yeah. it's sort of it's sort of that. Um, well, we don't know what to call it, so it must be a conspiracy. Yeah, I, I I hate that. Like, yeah, well, go look for yourself. Where it's sort of like here's a huge pile of junk. I find it compelling, and now you look at it. You know, go look for yourself, and it's like, well, isn't um, the burden of proof on you? Yeah, exactly. That's You're like, making well, the claim. Yeah, it's like, well, what what. You know, give me two things in that box that you find most compelling. Because I'm going to look through that box. I'm going to see 98 things, and nothing's going to strike me as compelling. So why don't you tell me the two things that you find compelling? Let's just deal with those. You know, and it's like I'm not going to do your research for you. <laughs> That's always their response. And it's like, well, okay, I looked at your box. I found nothing compelling. So, ah, where do we go from here? You know, exactly. So, but somehow they turned it into a giant industry. I, I obviously since you didn't really know where Roswell was. Um, I'm going to assume you haven't been there. But no, no. It, it, it's sort of in my backyard. We, we uh, spent a lot of time in New Mexico. and oh, okay. Uh, it's not too far away. And we went there um, about two or three years ago. And the entire town... Well, first of all, it, this is the... This is a very desolate area of, of New Mexico. It's not too far from Texas. Uh, it, it's basically dry ranch land. And... There's nothing there. Let's just right. face it. I mean, right. it's you know a desert town more or less. This is their claim to fame, and right. yeah. everything in Roswell revolves around uh, aliens. So you got your alien beer and your alien burgers and your spaceship hats and your. They even painted um, uh, green three-toed glow-in-the-dark alien feet walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> so you can kind of instead of. Uh, following the stars through Hollywood, you can kind of walk in the aliens' footsteps. And, right. um, you know, so everything in Roswell is, is geared towards this, including the, uh, the infamous Roswell 
alien museum or spaceship museum. Right. And so there's there, there's there's a muse, museum there, uh, the UFO museum. The UFO museum. What, I, I what's what's uh, the admission fee? You know, it's it's very small. It's probably a couple bucks, and they give you uh, a bookmark. You know, your ticket's a bookmark, so you get to uh, <laughs> you know, remember the museum by that. Um, okay. But but it's a small museum, and uh, you know, it, it, it's not very big. It's probably just a couple thousand square feet, and they have this little disclaimer at the beginning of your, your little tour, okay. where they say. You know, we're not here to present a story. We're we're just here to show you the facts. But as you walk through, it doesn't take very long to sort of get the impression that they've omitted anything that could be called fact and just taken everything completely out of context, including the uh, the original story and news clippings. And um, then they like to insert a lot of things to get your imagination going, like they have the alien autopsy display where there's this big green guy on a gurney and a oh, right, couple, right. couple of doctors looking over him and you know and, and there's a lot of displays like that and then of course it dumps you out to the gift shop where you can buy your alien salt <laughs> pepper shakers and whatnot okay. well, and that alien I believe that was featured in that Ray what was his name Ray Centilli or something like that uh, uh, remember that alien autopsy no, no, no! It wasn't the Alien Autopsy film? It was uh, P- Penthouse Magazine. I only read it for the uh, for the woo. Yeah, for okay. the woo. Uh, it was Penthouse Magazine. They they ran a bunch of photos claiming, oh, we have the real Roswell <laughs> alien. But it, it was literally a guy at the museum just took some photos of the of the mannequin, the mock-up, <laughs> and sold them to Bob Guccione. <laughs> like like a total no brainer. Yeah, it 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 doesn't take much i mean i i think i have the same goofy pictures that i took when i was there yeah and and see you could have made a but you're trying to make it you know the honest way right i should have called the inquirer and you know made a couple of bucks off it but i was too honest the thing thing about was it roswell think about roswell is um like at the time 1947 right At, at that time that was i believe the only i think it was the only air force base in america that that would had nuclear weapons or something well um no actually the only not at the time but um they had just two years before that okay exploded the first nuclear weapon uh in the world um about 100 miles west of there at okay. the trinity site in alamogordo and so los alamos was in northern new mexico okay and about the same time uh there was a town called hot springs okay uh, new mexico which changed its name to Truth or Consequences because the oh, game right, lasted right. too. Yes. So, yeah, so they, they didn't have a lot to cling on to. So Roswell probably fit fit right in. Okay, yeah, Truth or Consequences, a show hosted by Bob Barker, who who used to host uh, The Price Is Right, and and there's probably listeners who go, oh, that Drew Carey show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, yeah, that's going back Truth or Consequences. But uh, uh, I was going to say, um, right? So, so, so the area. I mean, there, there's two things c- kind of going with the area. I mean, one, it's uh, it, heavily involved in nuclear weapons and research. So, there's you know, there's a lot of secrecy going around, regardless. Right. Right. And and people are not always giving you the full story on anything going on down there, especially in 1947, at the beginning of the Cold War. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and and right. 
and, and the whole area is if it's not military then it's um i don't know and there's no sandworms there so there's just there's nothing right no casinos it's just cows. Yeah, yeah, no casinos. No so, so they 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 need an industry, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I don't think they they fabricated the industry to uh, get things going, but I, I think it once the myth started to take hold, they they embraced it pretty pretty right. fast. It, 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 like I say, it's kind of like I talked about the the self reinforcing that you know that if you know your neighbor's livelihood depends on you know people coming in and buying, you know, little space alien, you know, uh, erasers for their kids, then, then, and if you were around at that time, you know, you're going to maybe recall things, right? Of course. You know, that maybe is more favorable to, to, you know, the, uh, the, the, the myth and, and keeping, keeping your neighbors in business. Yeah, that's exactly right. Even Marcel, who was one of the original uh, folks to be involved with recovering the debris, uh, was known to embellish uh, and exaggerate by locals. Right. And so uh, when his 15 minutes of fame came, uh, he sure, he sure looked, you know, grabbed onto it and let it go. Yeah. And if you want another 15 minutes, you know, recall some new stuff, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the longer you can keep the controversy going, the uh, the, the better it is for your local uh, economy and reputation. There's there's a really good uh, podcast called called Skeptoid. Okay, and, and he did a uh, he did one show on Roswell, and uh, it, 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 I'll, I'll link to it. It's it's a great episode because he really really delves into uh, at least one story. There, there was a story about like I think it was an Undertaker. Who you know was called to the base, and they he wanted to. They told him to bring up you know child sized coffins, <laughs> and you know, and he saw this nurse, and the nurse was crying, and was like, "Oh my God, I can't talk about it. If I talk about it, I'm in trouble." And then she disappeared, and she turned up dead later, and and it it really sounded like incredibly damning, like, "Oh my God," you know, and 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 um. The host of a, a skeptoid, he he sort of looked at that whole story and, and figured out well what the guy did is he just he remembered real incidents you know he had always been on yeah put them together compressed them all together all these incidents incidents that had happened over like a decade or two decades sure. boom he just compressed them all together and 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 made it the you know the the, the alien story kind of sure thing. Yeah. well there was actually um, the very first UFO sighting was. Uh, in Washington State by a pilot um, just a few months before Roswell and he reported uh, seeing something at tremendous speeds darting around uh, Mount Rainier right yes and uh, you know there's plenty of natural explanations for this we live in Colorado right here where we get uh, something called lenticular clouds okay which which when you see them uh, and you're only going to see them by a large mountain range are just spectacularly gorgeous, but they have these eerie shapes. And depending on whether it's a weather front or the the, the angle of the sun, uh, they'll glow, they'll move, they, they they'll play tricks on your eyes. Right. Uh, we also get phenomenon called uh, a mountain wave, which is the wind is coming over the mountains and it sort of condenses and creates a wave in the, down on the leeward side. And they move and they dance around, and you can see all sorts of weird things out in the mountains uh depending on the lighting conditions and um so you know to call that to make the leap from 
Here's something that I'm not sure what I saw, too. These are little green guys from another planet. Yeah. It's, it's just a big leap to make. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, the, uh, recently there was the, uh, I mean, not so recent anymore, maybe it was the, the, the Phoenix Lights. Uh, sure. Yeah, which is pretty much determined to be like uh, flares dropped by, uh, by you know, military ships. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but uh, it, 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 it's funny that like the, the, like the politicians in Phoenix are trying to kind of keep it alive as a UFO story. Uh, you know, I mean, not coming out and saying it, but it's like, obviously, you know, because they might want to cash in, you know, a new industry, right? If people are all coming out to, uh, you know, UFO watching and stuff like that. You've discovered the secret of tourism in the Southwest. Let's latch on to some bit of some bit of woo and uh, promote it. We have um, uh, the other side of the mountain range from Colorado Springs is a, a giant broad valley called San Luis Valley. Okay. And this this is um, well, this is where South Park is. Uh, ah, yes. Actually. Okay. So, um, and that's where the cattle mutilations uh. sort of are centered around that. And right in the middle of the valley, right on the main road, there is a, a private patch of land uh, where somebody has erected the UFO watchtower and campground. Um, <laughs> so you can go visit and stay and climb the 25-foot watchtower and watch out for the UFOs. Um, so it, you've kind of latched on to it. Uh, yeah. that's, that's what we do out here, you know, Sedona. Arizona is known for its vortex of energy. And, uh, yeah. You know, this is... Sh- you're giving away our tourism. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, 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 so the UFO people, then they'll say, well, you know, it, it, if it, you know, like something crashed, and, and if it wasn't a UFO, then what was it? Ha ha. Right? <laughs> so so what, what, what was it that crashed in Russia? Oh, it was... Well, it, remember, this is the beginning of the Cold War. Right, um, and the military was trying to figure out how they could uh, monitor the Russians to see what they were doing on the nuclear front. Right, so they were testing um, a project where they had sensitive uh, hearing devices and, and um, measuring devices attached to weather balloons. Right, so that if the Russians had uh, exploded a nuclear weapon, we would pick up the signals and. Right. I know about it. And this was a classified project called Project Mogul. Right. And it used modified weather balloons. And so when it first crashed, um, they had said it was a weather balloon. Nothing to see here. Move along. Because there was equipment attached to it. And, you know, you really don't want your classified projects hitting the news because one of them fell to the ground. So they kind of covered that up. Uh, which was just fuel for the conspiracy theorists because nothing could be so mundane as a weather balloon project. Um, that's not very exciting, so we have to turn it into little green guys. Right, yeah. And this this is before satellites. Correct. Yeah, yeah so, Sputnik wasn't for another uh, right. 10 or 15 years. Right. Before, before satellites and, and even before like underground nuclear testing, this is when they would actually explode nuclear bombs just on the surface. Oh, um, at the Nevada test site, they exploded uh, something on the order of 739 weapons right. uh, in Nevada. Right. Uh, they also tested one or two in New Mexico. Uh, actually, uh, maybe there's three or four in New Mexico. 
and a handful in Colorado as well. So it, there wasn't a whole lot of discretion on where you were, uh, you know, deciding to uh, check out fission. Yeah, and uh, the uh, they, I mean, even before before satellites, what, what they what the Americans would do to, and this is before like you know spy planes like U two and and you know the SR seventy one. What the Americans would do to try and get any kind of idea what the Russians were were up to with like nuclear weapons is I think it was out of bases in like West Germany, huh, West Germany. Uh, they would they they would fly they would just they would fly like bombers like unarmed reconnaissance bombers over Soviet territory and try to take as many pictures as possible. And a lot of these bombers were like shot down like like uh or like a couple of them were shot down like but nobody was really sort of talking about it because you know everybody was all still allies after at that point but you know something was everyone sort of knew what was kind of going on you know they were starting to carve up the world but uh yeah so so uh, i mean that would be incredibly dangerous flying bomber just very oh, sure. slow moving bombers into the Soviet Union so yeah so there's you know there had to be a better way before satellites so well, it was one like, of the yeah. one of the reasons they they founded the Nellis Air Force Base there which is uh, the territory where area 51 is was to do the top secret development on those spy planes right yeah um, and and the U2 was was one of them uh, that they tested there but they also tested you know, a, a number of other aircraft there. Um, and many of the UFO sightings were actually a particular aircraft design uh, in the 50s, which was codenamed Oxcart. And this, this aircraft um, had a large disc as part of okay. the fuselage. And it was to store fuel so you could go on these very long uh, reconnaissance missions. And this aircraft was designed to fly uh, at Mach 2 or 3. Right, and so they were testing it at the time, and commercial pilots flying from LA to Las Vegas would occasionally catch a glimpse of the sun reflecting off of this disc. They'd land in LA or or in uh, at McCarran in, in Vegas, and the FBI would meet the pilots and debrief them and and shut them up. Right. But well, men, they, men in men in black, men in black would show yeah. up and say, "Look." Here's what you saw. You're not supposed to talk about it. You've got to sign this, and we're going to launch it from now on. Um, but, of course, people don't stay quiet. They say, hey, what were you doing in the coffee room with uh, mm-hmm. those guys in suits? So the stories kind of take a life of their own and spread. Right. Little word gets out. But it, it's really no secret that the government's testing things in Nevada. I mean, that's just common knowledge. It's not like uh, we don't know what's going on. Um, it's just a quite a big leap to say there's green alien technology over there yeah i know it, it's it's a bit it, it's like the uh you know like like where oh you know you know africans could have never made those pyramids you know but then at the same time it's now it's like well you know us humans you know americans well gosh we could have never made saturn five rockets or something like that right. you know this all actually came from alien technology you know right like, like we're, we're we're just not that smart my, <laughs> my, <laughs> my favorite um uh, sort of piece that doesn't add up here is the, the the UFO believers will make the exact same case you did. Well, there's no way we could know about nanotechnology if they didn't help us or whatever it is that they're trying to point out. And yet they'll say that the aliens crashed in Roswell, yeah. uh, 
which to me is kind of like saying, well, here's this hyper-intelligent race from another world that has figured out how to travel faster than the speed of light, avoid gamma rays, and, and, and travel all this way through the universe. They figured all of this out, how to sustain life for years on the road. and you know, They pack it all into a <laughs> ship the size of um, you know, a small RV, yeah. and when they get here, they can't park. Yeah, and they, they, they never they never discovered airbag technology either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's just mind-boggling. How can somebody figure out how to tra- travel through the universe, but they can't park? Uh, yeah. It's just you know, it's sort of uh, <laughs> it's just a a bit absurd. Wow. So the uh, now, now uh, like the Project Mogul, I think the uh, like like I mean, some of the scientists that actually worked worked on Project Mogul have sort of come forward. I mean, with with like wind reports and with you know with launch dates and you know which like they had lost a couple of balloons and a couple of them you know like, like they, never, they never even found and 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 so they're able to sort of say like no look this thing that actually crashed at Roswell you know it la- we launched a balloon on this date it was lost the wind would have carried it here and you know it's 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 uh you know it's a slam dunk right Right. And, yeah, but at, at, at the same time, you know, the the UFO people, oh, I don't, I, I'm not even really sure how they argue around that, other than you know, then like, yo, no way would these, you know, UFO would these, you know, Air Force guys get it confused or or something like that, you know. Well, like, I I think it goes right back to uh, uh, what you've observed about other conspiracies. There's you know, there's the sheeple and there's the conspirators and then there's the people that can see the truth where there is none and right. you know, they just somehow contort their circular logic into something to believe in I, I honestly have no idea how they do it it's, it's just mind-boggling to me yeah. uh, but I was, I was surfing around in preparation and I came across some uh, believer sites and some of the things that they will write is really kind of mind-boggling like, uh, I'd like to read this to you here um this was somebody talking about Area 51. Okay. And he says, um, quote, I had an all-areas pass to Area 51. I talked to guards into letting me keep it. I forgot to bring it to Kinko's to scan it. Otherwise, I'd post a JPEG of it for you all to see. I lived in Denver, but I took the underground train to Area 51 to go to work and was in charge of supplying missing children to the Greys. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's more. It gets better. At one time, when I was walking down the hall, the camos told me, keep your eyes straight ahead. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw, through an open door, an alien lizard being interrogated. Uh, I told them I didn't see anything. <laughs> so uh, you, you can see it, the sort of imagination <laughs> yeah. that they're coming up with here. What, what I like about that is, is for, first, e- the, just even the most rudimentary proof of his story Oh, he forgot to scan it at Kinko's, right? <laughs> and then, and then now, now if you were like witnessing like children being carted off to a base to be fed to shapelifting space lizards, um, uh, would it like? I mean, I I would collect up some of their their little sloughed off scales or something. You know what I mean? Something I could take away and and and, and just to verify my story. Going, uh, you know. <laughs> But they they never do, do they? Nothing, no, nothing. Yeah, nothing except the uh, pass he forgot to bring to Kinko's, <laughs> which, which 
I have a feeling it's a little bit like the uh, space astronaut application that uh, um, that uh, Steve Steve Martin had in his wallet in the jerk. You know, just <laughs> a piece of paper. And <laughs> well, if I could even digress a bit, there was a uh, this Holocaust deniest guy in Canada called Ernst Ernst Zundel, and um, and. Uh, not only did he believe in the Holocaust, but he believed in like a hollow, earth, you know, a hollow Earth, and and he thought that the Nazis had like a base at the Antarctica where they were sort of flying around UFOs, and um, and you could you could basically you could join his little uh, Nazi UFO club, and then when you joined, you got like a little a little a little pat like a little badge, and on the back of the badge it was like in German. Um, you know how you could ask like a Nazi UFO pilot questions about his little Nazi UFO, like what is your source of propulsion? You know, ich bin ich, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and uh, just in case you happen to run into him, exactly. You know. How are you armed? You know, things like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just ugh. that reminds me of one of the, the crazier uh, claims about Area Fifty One. They they claim that there's there's an underground system of railroad tunnels that connects the base to all of the other hidden um, alien research facilities across the United States. Of course. Of course. And, um, you know, we all know that it's so economical to tunnel through the earth uh, <laughs> right. a few thousand miles right. and build yeah. a train down there. See, That's why yeah. we don't yeah. have mass transit everywhere is because yeah. this gets in the way. Yeah, Seattle has been like two decades. Like, please, anything you can give us to build even <laughs> – Two miles of a subway, we'd be, you know, please. Yeah. Right. One of the things I came across was, why, you know, you're researching these people believe the aliens are here and that we're talking to them and communicating with them and say, well, well, what's their agenda? Why are they coming here? And, and I happened to stumble upon that, um, at least at one particular website here, aliensthetruth.com. Which oh, okay. Which is good for, uh, good for a laugh here. Um, what would the aliens want with our planet? There are three major scenarios. The first one is they want to take over the planet and steal our resources. All right. The second one is they're explorers and observing us like a scientist studies an experiment from afar. Right. Okay. And then the third one is they want to show the human race that, they are, that we're not alone in the universe. But due to our hostile nature, they have slow, uh, decided to slowly manipulate our species so that we will be more open to their existence. And, of course, the next sentence is the third possibility is definitely the most plausible. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm sitting there scratching my head. Uh, hmm, let's see. We're, they want to tell us we're not alone, but they're going to hide it from us because yeah. they're afraid of us, even though they're the ones that have figured out how to fly across the universe. Yeah, they couldn't just crush us like bugs. You'd think. And yeah. if they want our resources, hmm, there's other planets and asteroids and places to take resources, probably a little bit closer. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> me coming to Toronto to go to Walmart. <laughs> Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Prices are a little higher, but <laughs> it's the Canadian money. All right. Any, anything else you, you, you want to add about the the Roswell? Uh, about Roswell? Yeah. Uh, no, I, it's. I think it's so so obvious and explanatory, self-explanatory. I don't know how much discussion it really takes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. All right. So I guess we'll, we'll finish up uh, with you know with the. Uh, with the with my question, um, what uh, Brent? What is? Or did you want to ask me the question? 
but I want to ask you the question. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, okay, Brett. Brett, what is your what is your favorite uh, small kitchen appliance? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Never heard that question asked before. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> no, just <laughs> no, no. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite kitchen appliance. Uh, small, 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 kitchen appliance. small kitchen appliance. Yeah. Small kitchen appliance. Well, uh, you know, I have I have sort of a. Um, uh, uh, affinity for one particular item, which I, I don't even know if people know what this is, but um, in my family we called it a toastite, but I've seen them sold as um, pie irons, and, and it's sort of these two um, round or square, um, about the size of a slice of bread, okay, cast iron plate, and, and they're they're molded so that you can make a cheese sandwich and uh-huh. put it in there and then pop it in the fire and it melts the cheese and it toasts the bread and uh, sort of seals the edges. Uh-huh. And my grandmother had one. Uh, I have no idea how old it was, um, but it sort of made its way through the whole family. And uh, I have the original one, and it still works like, like it did when I was a kid. And oh, so that's nice. probably my favorite kitchen appliance because it just makes the yummiest most perfect grilled cheese sandwiches. Wow. Well, I, I think they've updated now. It's called like Sand- Sandwich Factory. I think they might call it for you. Really? And yeah. It's made in this little electrical device, maybe. And yeah, exactly. Plug in, you know, Teflon coating, and you you sort of you butter the outside of your bread. Uh, uh, it's, it's no good if it doesn't have the grease baked into the cast iron. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, I think it was the sandwich factory. What are, what are those? What are those small appliances where you? I mean, you use it every day for about uh, a month, and then you never touch it again. Every day for a month, and you never touch it again. Yeah, yeah. Slap chop. Uh, yeah, everybody loves a slap chop. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still I'm still big on my bread maker though. I'm still. Oh, I'm still, the bread maker. Yeah, I'm still loving my bread maker. Isn't that dangerous? Uh, the bread maker? Uh, well, I mean, you know, get fat, but you know. <laughs> like, so you're making fancy breads, or just you going for the straight, you know, uh, white bread? Oh uh, yeah, you definitely break bust out into the fancy bread. So it's like, hmm, cheese and beer. I'll mix that into my batter. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, Brett. I should I should let you go. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, what's what, what's what's the Earl to the to the long run blog? Ah, it's uh, thelongrunblog.com. We're very original with that. Um, I'm sure we have a shortcut to it someplace. Okay, and you, you, you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lazy. I sometimes I, I do like two a week, and then I'll do one for a whole month. <laughs> but you're, you're, so the, you're the main guy there. Uh, I, I try to, I try to get on there and and. Anything that catches my attention that I think uh, okay. could use another explanation, I try and get on there and, oh, right. and, yeah. and put something out. But it's it's funny. We um, I love having the different styles on there because I'm sort of curtain to the point and have that yeah. business style of writing where it's you know get your facts out and come to a conclusion. And my posts are five six hundred words, but Carl here, you know. There's an essay for you. It comes out, and it's, it's a whole intertwined story, and it's just kind of a pleasure to read. So it's always it's always fun to, to, to dig into yours. I always have to drop the name of my friend Roseanne uh-huh. and, uh, and, and Korea. Those are the two things I always seem to... And, and you do know that you're getting an immense number of hits off of one of your posts because you put a Star Trek character's name in the title. Oh, and so 
Oh, Google just... loves it, and and I get a couple of dozen hits a day uh, because that name is in the title. All right. Oh, it was a line from uh, it was Darmok, the Darmok dictionary. These people <laughs> called the Darmok that only spoke in, in metaphor, and something about his eyes open or something. I, I can't even remember it now, but uh, I I I I use that as a title, right? And uh, and uh, right then people they Google on that exact phrase, and because. What you know it was word used is WordPress we use. You know WordPress sort of builds your title into the URL. So right. so I guess total search engine optimization. You know, it totally goes oh well this since it's the URL and it's in the title that must be the number one hit. Yeah and sure enough boom that there pops up number one Every yeah. Day. So yeah. the lesson to all bloggers out there is to start all of your posts and all of your your articles with some popular reference to Star Trek. A slightly more obscure Star Trek reference. Yes, uh, yeah. You will, you will get traffic. Oh it yeah, works. yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we should, we should mention the other blogger, uh, uh, the other co-blogger on that blog, uh, Julio. Julio, yeah. Oh, oh, that's how you pronounce it, Julio. I assume so. I, <laughs> like, like you, I've never talked to him on the phone until uh, just recently. So. Okay, and, and what, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'll mangle his last name. His last name? You mentioned his last name. Um. Okay, well, let's just call him Julio. I mean, you can go there, and, uh, and he's 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 pretty interesting, interesting character. He brings another perspective to it, and and you know, we'd we'd like to add to it. Uh, I think, and and like you said earlier, uh, maybe a podcast someday is in our future. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, yeah, and 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 Julio, he right, he's he, God. He used to be a dot com executive. Yeah, in sort of the C level dot com yeah. guy, and and he. he uh, chips, hardware, chips. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah. He, he knows the whole IC industry. It's, that's pretty correct. Cool. Yeah, and now he's kind of semi-retired, right? Correct. He does yeah. a bit of consulting now. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very, very, very interesting guy. So, so yeah. And 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 you, you, uh, uh, you, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't pay me. So <laughs> anything nice I say about you isn't like I'm going to expect something more in that pay packet. You know? <laughs> But uh, yeah, you, you had. I mean, through the whole you know, um, know financial crisis. I mean, you've been explaining things very well, and uh, and and you have a really good one in like short, short selling. You know, uh, yeah, about how you know because it's just very normal to think little oh, short sellers are evil people, and you know, you you had a really good perspective that you know, well, short selling it's it, it has a legitimate purpose. You know, sure. I mean, mo- most of these financial instruments ultimately have a legitimate purpose. You know, this sort oh, of- absolutely. Even uh, even credit default swaps, which is the the big poster child for everything Wall Street did wrong. Um, it, you know, if you think about it, they're really a form of uh, of insurance. And so, right. if you're if risk your company management. risk management, if you're um, you know, um, I don't know, Boeing, and and one of your suppliers. Uh, maybe a big chemical company that produces something you really need and you've got an awful lot of inventory and you know that they're having trouble, you could potentially buy a a credit default swap to protect your financial cost if something should happen to that supplier. So, you know, a lot of these things have very legitimate purposes. Um, It's just that they started to get used for gambling uh, rather than actual hedging and actual right. uh, insurance right. purposes. Or you can think of it too, let's say, like like uh, flood insurance. You know, if uh, you buy flood insurance and if, you know, you're in New Orleans and, and it's hit by a flood, um, 
well, you know, the insurance companies, they're not going to have a great year, but, you know, because they're insuring the entire nation, you know, that the rest of the whole nation is going to, is going to keep them afloat. They're going to pay out a lot in New Orleans, but the rest of the, you know, the, what their insurance and the selling to the rest of, you know, America is going to, is, is going to uh, sort of uh, lessen the, 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 the hit. But I mean, this financial crisis is basically like uh, someone selling flood insurance, and all of America got flooded. So that's an elaborate analogy, but yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, when that happens, there's nothing you can do. You know. Uh, you know, you you hope that uh, the safeguards are in place to, you know, sort of really liquefy the situation and and uh, keep everything stable. And you know, uh, back in the fall, the the system, the global financial system, was really uh, on the verge of a collapse, and uh, the authorities made a lot of um, big moves in a very short period of time, of which we can all sort of sit back and Monday morning quarterback now um, right. and find lots of flaws with. But, but at the time, in the heat of a, in the middle of the crisis, where it's really. Uh, you're hours or days away from a true catastrophe. Um, you, you have to make certain trade-offs. You have to make certain decisions to reinstall confidence. And, and governments around the world did that, and I can't fault them for that. Um, but now that they have the luxury of a little bit more time uh, and experience and uh, more conversations about what should be done, they should be doing things um, you know, with a little bit more foresight now. And I think we're seeing them take their time uh, figuring things out now more than just simply throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what works. Well, on that happy note, then <laughs> happy note we can we can we can get you know for the next foreseeable future. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up. All right, like again, thank, thank thanks, Brett. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, and uh, talk to you later. Okay. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>